So we've been in a series that I'm calling Jesus on, uh, and what we've been trying to do is take these different topics and look, what does Jesus have to say on these things? And so we looked a couple weeks ago, um, what does Jesus have to say on religion? It's a relationship, not a religion, is what we, we seem to come to conclusion with what Jesus had to say. And last week we looked at what does Jesus have to say on sin, and there's so many different angles that it's like he really cares about where's your heart at, not about what you did. And so today, it's kind of a weird topic. You might not necessarily think about it, um, but it's this idea of Jesus on security. What does Jesus have to say? And it's kind of related to the series we just went to, but what does Jesus have to say on being secure on who you are? Your identity, knowing that this is who I am and I'm secure in who I am. And so when I was reading a couple things this week, um, and it actually came up a couple days ago, um, this this be, this um, idea of security. We were watching. We started watching. I don't know if you've ever watched Hotel Hell, but it's Gordon Ramsay. It's kind of like Kitchen Nightmares, but instead of going into these like restaurants, he goes into like hotels, more like kind of inns and like smaller things, not these big massive. Like he doesn't go to the Hampton and like, but like these like kind of country inns. Dehydrated eggs are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and so. It's, that's what it's called, and so he goes into these places, and so he, the very first one we watched, it was called um, Juniper Hill, I forget where it was, somewhere up in the New England states, um, and he goes there, and it's, it's run by these um, two guys that are together, um, Robert and Ari is the other guy's name, and so these guys are crazy, like just the way that they manage, they kind of take ownership with everything, and they kind of micromanage and so he's trying to get through to these guys, and this guy probably has, um, he had four external storage containers all filled with antiques. His whole basement in the, ho- or the inn was full of antiques. Upstairs, he had this like attic full of antiques. I mean, he had antiques everywhere. It wasn't updated in forever. And he thought, you know, you know I probably have $300,000 worth of antiques. And they had this girl come in that like deals with antiques, and she, she turns to him and she says, um, Gordon's like, how much is it going to be? And she said, I would say you could probably get about 25000 for it. And he looks at the guy and he said, I thought, I thought you said there was $300,000 worth of antiques. And he said, I, I thought so. And she said, well, if you look at some of these, and she starts pointing out, and some of them are copies, some of them are fakes. They're not true antiques. Um, but that's beside the point. So he had all these antiques. And so he gets them all together because they also have this RV that's outside of the hotel that both the owners go and stay in when they need a break. You know, they just need to get away from everybody. And so he pulls them all together and he starts trying to do, you know, if you've watched anything with Gordon Ramsay, he's trying to get through to him. So he starts yelling at him. And, you know, the ways I've seen, we've watched a couple shows like this. There's another one called Bar Rescue. This guy named John Taffer goes in and he, his philosophy always says this. He says, break them down and then build them back up. So I, I think that's what Gordon does. Maybe he just yells at him so they can get through to him. But he's yelling at these guys you know, trying to, to get through to him. And so one of the girls starts talking, and she, she's trying to express her concern, and then she starts kind of saying her piece about the two owners, and the one guy, Ari, looks over. I can't even do his, like, his accent, but he's, he's, I think he's from England. And so he, he just kind of looks at this girl, and he, he keeps going. He goes, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. Stop. I'm the boss. And he just keeps looking, and then Gordon looks straight at him. And he says, are you writing the paychecks? And he said, no. And he said, you can't call yourself the boss if you ain't even paying these people. And he just looked straight at him and didn't say a word. 
And I, I, the reason I say this is because I think sometimes there's two angles when it comes to security. There's the one side like Ari that it's like we almost have this false sense of security. Maybe there's something on the inside that we want to appear like we're secure. He's not even any part of this business. Literally all he does is he's with Robert, who is the owner of the inn. Like he doesn't write the checks. He does a little bit of their accounting, but like he's just kind of a part of the business, but he doesn't own anything. And he acts like and rocks around like he's the one in charge. And so there can be that side of our, our a false sense of security where it's like we feel like we know we're secure in who we are, but that's not truly who we are. And then there's the other side that we'll see here with Jesus that that is an actual sense of security, that this is truly who you are, this is your purpose, this is who I am, that we can be confident in in the way that we're supposed to be, not a false sense where we're trying to be something that we actually aren't. I know we looked you know, almost a month ago at Ephesians chapter 1 and, and looking at our identity that this is who we are. When we actually live those things out, there can be a security that's like, this is what Scripture says, that this is the way that God sees me. So I can be secure in who I am. I can be secure that I'm forgiven. I can be secure that I'm valuable. I can be secure that I know who I am. And so I don't want us to walk around as we look at what Jesus has to say on security with this false sense of security, acting like we know who we are, but it doesn't match up with what Scripture says. And we're not going to look at necessarily what Scripture says and how do we become secure. We want to look through the eyes of Jesus and go, how does Jesus model security? Because probably all of us would say when we've been around somebody that's secure in themselves, it's actually can be refreshing. Sometimes it can be over the top because it's like, okay, you're just a little too confident. But, but when somebody's secure in who they are and they're genuine about it, there's something great about being around somebody that's secure in who they are. And Jesus was the most secure in who he was. And I think what's been interesting is I've looked at a couple of these different things as I've looked at what Jesus has to say on these topics is it's like so much of our lives are consumed with whether it's technology, news, social media, and it's like we don't know sometimes if we're not grounded in what Jesus has to say and what Scripture has to say that we can just kind of be tossed around because it's like, well, this, this place is saying this, and, and, and these people say they're Christians, and they're posting about this, so maybe that's kind of more the angle I have to go, and, 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 not, and we're not able to kind of come to the actual conclusion because we're looking at all these different places that aren't true instead of who is the beacon of truth. And so, in John chapter 14, we see a verse that Jesus, at one of his I am statements, shows us a little bit about his security. And so I want to unpack for the next few moments this idea of know who you are. Be secure in who you are. Not in a confident way in the sense of like, I'm going to be over the top and make sure everybody knows who I am. But just in your heart, as you live moment by moment, that this is who I am and I'm secure in that. And so in John chapter 14, um, he says this in verse 6. I guess I do have it up here. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so a little context of where we're at, at the beginning of John chapter 14, well, a couple chapters ago, starting, I believe it's in John chapter 12, 
from John chapter 12 through the end of the book until he gets crucified is really where John just unpacks the Last Supper. This whole like second half of his book is him at the Last Supper, talking to his disciples about different things, teaching them different things. And so in the few verses above this is another little kind of verse or passage, if you want to say, that you might have heard before. Is He's talking about the disciples, that he's going to prepare a place for them. You know, kind of the My Father's House song that you may have grown up singing in Sunday school or whatever. Is He's, he's talking about them going to prepare a place for them, um, that they're going to be able to join him soon. And he goes, and, and one of the disciples goes, I don't know what you're talking about. How do we get there? What's this place you're talking about? And so after he kind of has this exchange as he's at the Last Supper, he then shares this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so as he shares this I am statement, I want to just take this first half of the statement, and, and, and I think it will help us see how Jesus is so secure and who he is and his purpose. Because as you get the context of where he's talking, he's secure in who he is by saying this, I'm the way. So they're going, okay, how, how do we get to this place that you're saying you're building for us, you're preparing for us? This is the place we're going to go. Jesus answers them in his security, I am the way. What does that mean? Well, Jesus is that access to that place. What is that place? You know, heaven, where he's going, that place he's preparing. And so the way in which we get there is that we understand what he did on the cross and our separation from Him because of sin, and that now we want to enter into a relationship with Him because of our brokenness and our sin, and Jesus paid that price. And so Jesus says, you want to get to the place that I'm preparing? I'm the way in which you get there. I'm the access to get you there. Kind of like we were just talking. I'm the bridge that gets you there to the place that I'm preparing. You don't know where to go because that's what His disciples say. How do we get there? Come through me. I'm the one that can get you there. And I think when you, when you see a statement like that, you have to be pretty secure in that. Because that's a pretty bold statement to say, I'm the way. The way in which you get to the place you want to go, I'm the way that you get there. And obviously Jesus can say that. I mean, he's king, he's God. He is the way. But to make such a bold statement, you have to be secure in who you are. And then he says, I'm also the truth the truth so when you look around and you go what's true what's not he's the person you look to when we're looking as we get all these different news stories and in instagram and twitter and snapchat whatever you want to say and it's like well where do i look for truth jesus says look to me we look in his word this is where the truth's at he's the beacon i remember there was a speaker that always used to tell a story um, that was talking about basically um, being at a stoplight. And if you've ever sat at a stoplight and you're kind of dazing a little bit and you look over and you're not sure if your car's moving because you're kind of dazing. I've had some of this or like maybe a car's moving next to you and so it feels like your car's moving. And so probably the first thing you're going to do when you're sitting at a stoplight is you're going to hit the brake to make sure or press the brake harder and be like, okay, I am stopped. If you're still kind of confused, it, that if you're stopped or not, the next thing you're probably going to do is look at a stationary point to make sure, am I getting closer to this stationary point or am I going away? And he used to always say, the problem in our world right now is that when we look to the stationary points of morality, they're moving. 
And so he says, how are we supposed to look at a stationary point when it's still moving? And Jesus says, I am that stationary point. You want to be secure in knowing the truth? Look to me. I am that truth. I share that truth. I live that truth. Everything about me is truth. So you want to know truth? You look to me. Again, another bold statement because that's saying, I am the truth. Like he's not saying I'm part of the truth. I'm describing the truth. He is the truth. That's a pretty secure statement. And then he finishes up, and then I'm the life. I'm the way in which you get life. Both, I think, spiritually and the way to enjoy life to the fullest. Because again, if you go back to Ephesians chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about this, you know, we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but then once we enter into this relationship because of what God did, we've been made alive. So God has given us life through our sinful nature when we've accepted Him into our hearts. Now we can receive spiritual life. But I think also on top of that, it's looking through the different commands, rules, if you want to say, that Jesus gives, not because he wants to give us things just to follow so that we can check it off the list, but because he knows this is what's going to give us life. And then on top of that, when we enter into this relationship, eternal life. Each of these three statements, the way, I am the way in which you go. Just like when you describe somebody, this is where you need to go. Take this road. Jesus says, I am that road. I'm the way to get there. That's a bold statement. But it's true. I'm the truth. Another bold statement. But that's true. And I'm the life. I'm the one that gives you eternal life, spiritual life, and life to the fullest. If I'm looking at this statement from afar... Somebody has to be super secure in who they are to make such bold claims. Jesus lived out security because he knew who he was and he knew what his purpose was. And when we live out security in our lives, it's knowing who we are and what our purpose is. You know what our purpose is? To glorify God. To tell other people about God. Who are we? Look at Ephesians chapter 1. That's who you are. When you start living that out, and you start understanding your purpose to glorify God, to live a life that is honoring to Him, telling other people about Jesus, knowing that you're valuable, knowing that you're forgiving, knowing that you are free, you begin to be secure. And we need to help other people be secure because I guarantee you, all of us that have people around us, a lot of them are insecure right now. They don't know who they are. The world's telling them one thing. Parents are telling them another thing. Friends are telling them another thing. They're so insecure with who they are. And the best thing we can do is become secure people like Jesus to live out so we can help the insecurity in other people to become secure. Jesus lived out security because he knew who he was and he knew what his purpose was. So I end with this story. Um, my grandma, a, a while ago, this was a couple years ago, right when we, I think me and Shannon first started dating, um, 
we got this call. It was like, I think 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And they said, hey, we're taking your grandpa to the, to the ER. I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. So I'm like, I was still awake. So I got up and I don't remember if they told you or if I sent something to you and said, hey, I'm on my way to the ER, um, just so you know. And so Shannon shows up and we get there and I think he had kidney stones is what he had. He, his stomach just was hurting so bad he didn't know what it was. And so he, he had kidney stones. But before they figure that out, they go back there and the doctor starts asking him questions. Okay, you know, you know, did you have anything to eat today? She's laughing because she knows what I'm about to say. And he said, well, it was like, I think 90 degrees that day. It was like something super hot. And so he was out mowing. And when he came in, um, he said he wasn't hungry. So he had eight years of corn. That's what he ate. Eight years of corn. Not, nothing else. So they thought, well, maybe he's like constipated. Maybe he's like something's wrong. Like he, he had nothing else but eight years of corn. And I looked at him because I'm back there as they're talking to him. And I'm like, like who just eats eight years of corn? Like it's not even like, oh, I had some chips, you know, eight years of corn. That was it. And so they, you know, once they figured out, okay, it's kidney stones and, and they, they figured out what they had to do. We're sitting there and all of a sudden, um, I think it was my grandma, um, got a phone call that her alarms were going off. She has this, I don't know if it's ADT or whatever it is out there at her house. And so all her alarms start going off. And I'm like, okay. And so they're sitting there and they're like, well, it might just be because a lot of times with the wind or something out there, um, they live out on 995. I think I always get it wrong. Um, 995. Um, and so sometimes with the wind, an animal goes past some of it, like trips it. And so um, she's like, it's probably nothing, but somebody should probably go out and look for it. So I volunteer and I bring Emily with me, my younger sister, because I'm like, I'm not going out there alone. I might look like a manly person, but when it comes to those situations, I ain't going out there alone. So we get there and I'm, I mean, it's like midnight. Like, it's not like, you know, oh, there's still a little light out. It's midnight. It's pitch black. There's no lights on inside and her things are just going off. The cops are gonna come shortly, but they're like, maybe you should go out and look. And so I get out and I'm standing there for a second. I said, okay, you go first. I'm, I'm, I'm sending, yeah, I sent her in. So I'm behind her. Like I didn't, I didn't uh, like send her in and stand out there, but I'm like, okay. And she was scared to death too. So she's like, I ain't going first. So I'm like, all right. So I go up and I go in and we're like, I mean, I feel like I'm in a secret agent movie because we're like kind of stepping like this in the house because there's like some doors open and I'm not sure if my grandparents left them open or what. So I'm like going around these corners, like looking, cause we don't know if somebody's in there. Um, and so we make it around just kind of the first floor and we don't see anybody. And I'm like, okay, I ain't going upstairs. We'll wait for the cops to get here. And so the cops show up, they got all their lights on and they're like going through, they're like not even scared. They're just walking through, like looking and then they go upstairs and um, they're like, oh, nobody's in here. It must've been like the wind or something. And I'm like, okay, whew. But it was like, they have this whole system at their house and i swear we've probably had that happen like five or six times my parents have had to go out there because their alarm goes off and it's usually like i said the wind or something else but the whole reason they put this in place is because there was one time that somebody did like crack one of their windows and they were trying to break into my grandparents house but the alarms went off which saved them um, from having to have a situation like that you put a security system in so that you can keep yourselves safe and it helps you feel secure just like every night when we when we go to bed one of the first things shannon will say did you lock all the doors because that's part of my job 
I gotta lock the doors at night because I, I let Coda out. So like downstairs, she would never go down there to lock that door because she doesn't go down the steps. I go down there to let them out. So I want to make sure that door's locked. But she asked me that because when the doors are locked, there's a secure feeling that I'm safe. And I think a lot of times our alarms are going off like my grandparents when our insecurity starts to set in and something trips it. Whether we start believing something we're not, we start believing a different purpose that we're not supposed to believe. And we need to go in and make sure our security system's intact, the doors are locked, so that we feel secure in who we are, secure in our purpose, so that we can live it out for God's glory. Jesus modeled security by the way he lived and by what he talked about. We need to follow suit in that way.